Unlike last week when we were scratching our head at the end of the parable and wondering what to glean from this text, this week's parable is a lot less confusing and, to me, more challenging personally. The rich man has obviously not led a life consistent with the law and the prophets or Moses and the prophets, and he is reaping the consequences. If we think back to last week, like the manager of the estate, the rich man is consistent in his devotion to wealth. One text says he eats sumptuously every day, and that actually implies he's even eating on the Sabbath. He's wearing fine clothes, dyed in a color that's difficult to get, purple, and even his undergarments are nice. And he understands wealth to be a mark of virtue and maybe even his faith and manhood. In other words, he is a good and valuable person because he's rich. And Lazarus is not valuable because he is sick and impoverished. If we ran into the rich man on the street, we would know by the way he's dressed and acts what his values and priorities are. And really, the Greco-Roman culture surrounding him would have thought him to be a virtuous man, a good person by his wealth. They would have thought he was hardworking, smart, self-made, and deserving of his status. And it is clear he's a person of faith. He recognizes Abraham and implores him to help. He is aware of Moses, the law, and the prophets. He has studied these things, yet... He is not living by them. He's not seeking the well-being, the shalom of one's neighbor by alleviating the suffering or addressing the disparity or restoring that person into community. There was another lectionary passage assigned this week from 1 Timothy that I think really is a good summary of the rich man or the consequences that Timothy warns about. And this is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it's around verse 6. He says, People who are trying to get rich fall into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And this is a quote we've heard before. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In this letter, the pastor to the other young pastor in Timothy says, Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way they can take hold of what is truly life. It seems that 1 Timothy describes the challenges that the rich man has suddenly come face to face with as he sits in that great chasm of torment away from the community and the afterlife. He's wandered away from his faith. He has stupid and harmful passions and lives in arrogance in his real life. He's regularly ignored the needs of his neighbors. It was not simply like I said. I always imagine him, and it might be from skits, that he just kind of walks blindly by and never sees Lazarus. But he knew his name. He knew the person at the gate. Also, the rich man ate so well daily that the scraps, the crumbs that came off the table were filling enough to feed the dogs and probably other people. And he still chose not to share those things, which, by the way, was mandated not just by religious 
expectations. It was also a cultural expectation. I forgot to say that likely because of the standing of this person in the community, it was common in the Greco-Roman era for there to be a bench outside his house where people who were in need would have been placed and should have received help. So it was also a cultural expectation. So he is doubly ignoring these. Like I said, he never saw Lazarus as a person to be valued or part of his community, welcome at the table. And even when he's in this great torment and desiring to be back with Abraham and the community, he still only sees Lazarus as an object to accomplish what he needs. He asks Abraham to send Lazarus down, almost like a servant, dipping his finger in the water to give him relief. And when that doesn't work, he wants to send Lazarus back to his brothers to be an object lesson. He's never, Lazarus is never a full and respected person in the rich man's eyes. He's an object to get what he needs. And just overall, he seems clueless about what God values. He still sees himself even as an authority in Hades. It's important to note he says, Father Abraham, as if Abraham and he are in some great relationship together or some pre-existing there's something like he has the authority to be in that relationship with Abraham and he's expecting you could envision him as someone who's expecting if he talks to Abraham like that he'll get what he wants he is he outrageously doesn't get it and he doesn't repent I think it's a great example to say that this is an alarm today I think it's a because it is just so outrageous. Like, it's like it's being banged over our heads. And it is the purpose for us as listeners. The parable is meant to ask us, even if we are not wearing fine linen undergarments, but we are clothed and fed, what does the Lord require of us and how far are we from missing that mark? This is the kind of passage that when you read it, for me personally, has haunted me this week um, because it's so clear we have a responsibility with the resources God has provided us individually and as a community to seek the well-being, the shalom of all people. And even just reading the passage makes, maybe I hope is like an alarm, makes us all look up and look around and want to look in the eyes of other folks. And I do believe, like I said last week, it's a consistent challenge to do this personally and communally because our culture still prizes that self-made person and blames people who are suffering from poverty, addiction, illness, or despair. And so a passage like this that haunts us and opens our eyes does offer both a challenge and a hope. Here's the hope. First, there is still time. The rich man never did get it. He never tried, and he never repented. Even when presented with the law and the prophets that summarized in Luke 10 are love God, love neighbor, and love self, He still tries only to save himself and those he loves while preserving his status. But the hope for us as listeners is we have time to get it. We have time to practice, to understand first the law while we gather and worship, and then to act as followers of God in our lives and to do things that no matter how small, welcome and restore folks and celebrate together in community. And that is the challenge. We are called to seek, to restore, and to celebrate. And the need is great if we have our eyes open. And yet the demands of our own lives make it so easy to walk on by day by day as the rich man did. Yet that's why we gather in community for worship, to repent, 
to reflect on God's word and will, and to go out and act. And when we experience that grace of God who seeks all that are lost and reflect on the gospel of Christ, we are called to act together as a community. And we have to remind ourselves we don't have to do it alone. And I do want to say you all are doing that work together. This congregation, this space that you have created here is a faith community doing the work of seeing the needs of neighbors, alleviating suffering, addressing inequity, and building community. This church is not walking on by the needs and, trying, and is trying to live consistent with the gospel, which is the embodiment of the law and prophets. If you're struggling to figure out how do I not walk on by, the first step is simply participating in the internal and external ministries of this congregation. I was reading on your website this week and saw the video that I think is from 2020 about reestablished Richmond and thought that was a great example of what you do as a community to see your neighbors as people and to address suffering and inequity. I loved hearing about the advocating you do through that program, the tutoring and the mentoring, and especially the transportation program, helping women particularly get their permits and their driver's license by providing not only space for the education, but value to the people teaching it, and most importantly, childcare so that someone can attend those meetings. This is one example of the work you're doing already of seeing and valuing rather than walking by. And we do this work together day by day. So I'll end with this adaptation from 1 Timothy. God richly provides everything for our enjoyment. In that hope, we are called to do good, to be rich in the good things we do, to be generous, and to share with others. When we do these things, we can take hold of what is truly life. Thanks be to God.